Friends, uh, who inspires you? Are there any people you know? Are there any people perhaps that you've read about or heard about? People who just spur you on to be the best person that you can be? Uh, you got any people who just encourage you to be a better sort of person? A recent book has come out that's tried to list the top 100 most inspirational people in history. It's called The 100 Greatest Heroes, and it's clearly American because the top three are all American presidents. The book reckons that George Washington is the most inspirational person in history, followed by Abraham Lincoln, followed by Franklin D. Roosevelt, and then it's not till you get to Winston Churchill at number four that you reach any non-Americans. Then after him comes Ronald Reagan, Alexander the Great, Christopher Columbus, Martin Luther, Samuel Adams, he's one of the American founding fathers, and Napoleon Bonaparte rounds off the top ten. Sound like a list you would have put together? The most inspirational woman in history, according to this book, she comes in at number 24, and that is Susan B. Anthony. Who is that, I hear you ask? I had to look her up. She's an American suffragette who campaigned for, Amer- for women's rights in the 1800s. And the person who slipped in at 100th, the 100th most inspirational person in history, never believe it, it's an American, the comedian Bob Hope. Sound like your list? Who would you have put in your list of the top 100 inspirational people? A little earlier ago, we heard read from Hebrews, and what we heard read was effectively God's list of the most inspirational people of the Bible. What we heard was a list of heroes of the faith. Heroes that ought to spur us on. And the punchline of them all came in chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. You see what that verse is saying? It's pulling together all those names And it's saying that what has just happened is that we've had a parade of the great ones of the faith so that our faith might be spurred on, so that their faith might inspire us to have a greater faith in our God. And as a result, it's a great passage for us to have a bit of a think about here at the very last week in our very short series on faith. So I don't know whether you've noticed it or not, but over this series, uh, I've been having this sort of, I've tried to have this extended parallel between this series and climbing a mountain. And so in the very first week, we established base camp and we defined what faith is. It's being fully persuaded that God is able to do what he has promised. And then from base camp, we climbed a little higher and we discovered why it is that faith is so important. It's because by faith, we take hold of the good gifts that God promises us through the death and resurrection of Jesus. But then last week we reached the summit. We actually looked into the very mind of God to see why he chose to save us by faith and not some other way. And we found that he did it that way so as to bring praise to himself and to bring assurance to us. But now you see, it's as if having seen all those things, having gotten to the summit, it's as if this week we are now walking down the other side of the mountain And I want us to think about 
What difference it all should make to our lifestyle? How should we be changed as a result of the climb that we have just taken together? Let me suggest three things from our passage here in Hebrews. Let's, as it were, look at some of the great ones who have made the climb before us and let's be inspired by them as to what the life of faith is all about. And firstly, the really big lesson that Hebrews is most keen to stress. The big lesson is that the life of faith looks beyond present circumstances to what God has promised for the future. Chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Now friends, that verse is a verse that's saying that faith looks to what is hoped for in the future. That even though it hasn't happened yet, because it's obviously the future, even though we haven't seen it yet, because it's obviously the future, faith trusts in what God has promised for the future. And you see, the Bible Hall of Fame is full of inspirational people who did that sort of thing. People like Abraham, who we've already mentioned quite a few times in this series, but Abraham is the classic example of someone who looked to the future and trusted in what God said was going to happen. Remember the story, Abraham and his wife Sarah, they're really old, they've been childless all their married life, and yet despite that, God tells Abraham that he's going to give birth to a great nation. In one sense, it's a laughable sort of promise. Sarah did actually burst out laughing when she first heard about it. God promises an elderly, childless couple that they're going to give birth to an entire nation. But Abraham believed him. Abraham said, God, I have no idea how you're going to do this, but I know that you're going to do it. I know that sometime in the future it's, it's going to be like that. And he trusted God that offspring would come. Verse, verse 11 of chapter 11. By faith Abraham, though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he is good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. But what about Noah, who looked into the future and trusted God's word that a flood was coming? And so he started building the boat. Or what about Moses who looked into the future and trusted God's word that Israel was going to become a great nation, his blessed nation, and so he was prepared to even oppose the, the might of Pharaoh. Now friends, these are all people who took into account what God has said, what God said was going to happen. And they believed him. And they set their values and they ordered their priorities and they made their decisions accordingly. That is the life of faith. A couple of years back I read a, about a young Vietnamese woman in the Voice of the Martyrs magazine. Uh, this woman was sharing the gospel with a group of villagers when the local police arrived. Her companions ran away and hid the Bibles that they were giving out so that the Bibles wouldn't be confiscated, but the woman, however, was arrested. She was charged for, with uh, evangelism and was in jail for two weeks before her trial came up. When it did come up, the judge asked the police whether they had found any Bibles. Well, no, they hadn't. Well, when you arrested the girl, did you actually hear her talking about her religion? Well, no, we didn't actually hear her. 
Well, the judge said, there isn't too much evidence that this woman is even a Christian. To which she replied, but I am a Christian. And let me tell you about Jesus. And for the next few minutes, she explained the gospel to the judge and the entire courtroom. And she was sentenced to six months jail in a Vietnamese prison. And friends, do you have a clear enough view of the future that you would ever be prepared to do that? Are you able to look past the present circumstances and maybe the very real possibility of hardships? Are you able to look past the present circumstances and see that the only thing of of true internal matter is whether people have heard and followed Jesus? Because that is what faith does. Faith looks beyond the here and now where perhaps it is hard work to stay committed to a Christian fellowship. Faith looks beyond the here and now where it might mean physical mistreatment. Faith looks beyond the here and now where there are lots of competing things for our attention in the world. Faith looks beyond the here and now where the, when the kids are playing up and it's hard work to get to church on a Sunday. Faith looks beyond the here and now when, when it requires discipline and self-control to resist those temptations that cross our path. Faith looks beyond the here and now and beyond our present tiredness and faith sees that nothing is worth comparing to what is in store for us in Christ because God has promised it. God has promised that one day in the future every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and faith is fully persuaded that what God has said of the future is going to happen. So we live our lives now shaped by that. That is what the heroes of the faith do. They look beyond present circumstances. And therefore, secondly, the life of faith, dare I say it because it's almost too trivial to have to say it, but the life of faith, it's a life of faith. Sounds a bit dumb to say, I know, but what I mean is that the life of faith is it's not about making a one-off decision at one stage in your life. It's not about making a one-off decision to put your faith in Jesus and then you go on living as if nothing has actually changed. What is very clear from the heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11 is that faith is a way of life. And all through this chapter, the great ones of faith, they were people who lived it out in actions. These are people who woke up each and every day and asked themselves, what has God said? What has God said about what the future holds? Well, then that is what I will do. That is how I will live. For to not live that way would only betray the fact that you don't really trust what God has said about the future. Now that is, of course, what James says in the next book after Hebrews in his very famous words, where he says, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If any one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is that? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, it's dead. Do you get his point? Talk cheap. And so the life of faith is a life. It's a lifestyle. Of faith. It's putting action where our mouth is and looking to the future and what God has said about it and doing things as a result. 
faith is building an ark when there isn't a cloud in the sky. Can you imagine the mocking that Noah would have received from people wandering past his place on the way to work? And there he is hammering away on this big boat in his yard. Faith is Abraham raising the knife to sacrifice his son. And the confusion and the inner turmoil that must have been going through the man's head. Why is God wanting me to do this? But I know that he's promised that in the future. So I've got to go with faith is Moses standing before the most powerful ruler in the known world and calling on him to let God's people go free. Faith is Joshua marching around Jericho blowing trumpets. Can you imagine how silly that must have felt? Yet their faith led them all to look beyond their present circumstances and to do stuff, to actually live it out. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that's been marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you don't grow weary, so that you don't lose heart. In all of this list of the great ones of the faith, there is actually one who is the greatest, isn't there? There is one whose faith is so inspirational, someone whose faith is so crucial that Hebrews describes him as the author and perfecter of faith. For here is God's opinion of the person who is the most inspirational person in the history of this world. It's Jesus. And the life of faith is living like him. So you think about the other two things that we've just briefly gone through about the life of faith. It's looking to the future and it's living it out in actions. Friends, that is Jesus to a T. He lived the life of faith. See, despite being God, what Jesus did was that he emptied himself. He deliberately made himself completely reliant on God the Father. Jesus deliberately gave up knowing everything Jesus deliberately gave up being able to do everything and he willingly became reliant and dependent on God the Father to tell him things and to empower him to do things. Jesus said that he came not to do his will but the will of him who sent him. Jesus said that he could do nothing by himself, only what he sees his Father doing. Jesus said that his teaching is not his own, it comes from him who sent him. He was God. And yet he emptied himself to the point that his lifestyle was completely dependent on what God the Father said to him. He had to live by faith. And it was with that lifestyle of faith that he looked beyond his present circumstances all the time to hear what his Father said about the future and to live it out. And it even took him to a cross. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus did not just say, not my will but yours, he lived it out. Despite him being absolutely terrified of what was coming, Jesus lived it out. 
because he trusted what God had said was going to happen into the future. So he went to the cross. He endured enormous scorn and shame at the hands of sinful people. And the pain and the blood and the sweat and the mocking and the tiredness and the disorientation and the confusion, he went through it all because he believed what God his Father was telling him. And for the joy set before him, he endured the cross in the here and now. Now that is the life of faith. It is looking to what Jesus, to what God has said is going to happen and being fully persuaded that it will happen. You live it out now. Sound like you? Are you looking forward to the heaven, the new heaven and the new earth that God is saying will come? Are you looking forward to that future day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord? Are your actions, are your decisions throughout the week, are your conversations with other people, are your spending patterns, are the pastimes that you're involved in, are your priorities, uh, do, they re- do they reflect a genuine life of faith, of believing that that is what's going to happen in the future? Or are some things getting in the way? Hebrews talks about sins that entangle. You got any of them? Apathy? Cynicism? Selfishness? Pride? Jealousy? Immorality? Anger? Greed, getting tangled up from living out what you know is going to happen in the future. Hebrews also talks about things that hinder. And it's not talking about sins, it's just talking about neutral things that just over time may not be bad in themselves, but over time they will weigh you down and distract you. The image is, is really of the swimmer if you've been watching them at the championships, the swimmer who shaves their body down so that it's completely sleek and smooth and there is nothing that will drag them slower in the water. That, that is what Hebrews is talking about, that there is nothing that will just hinder you. And they might be okay in themselves, but over time, because this is a long-distance race, over time it will weigh you down. you got any of them? The house and garden. The hobby you love so much. The sport. Is there a relationship that's holding you back? Have you got friendships that aren't really helping you? Friends, Hebrew says, the life of faith looks into the future, sees what God has said is going to happen, and you believe it. So you get rid of every sin that entangles and you shave off everything in your life that hinders you. That's the life of faith. And it's not optional. It's not something reserved for the missionaries and the really serious ones amongst us. It's a lifestyle 
of the follower of Jesus. It is the lifestyle that looks beyond present circumstances and lives it out now. And God actually says, that's a great lifestyle to have. Quite a few years ago, the following advertisement appeared in a London newspaper. Men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return, doubtful. And the ad was signed by the famous Antarctic explorer Sir Ernest Shackleton and thousands of people applied. Thousands of men and women inspired by Shackleton's previous exploits, thousands of them applied, eager to sacrifice everything for the prospect of just a meaningful adventure with him. And that is what Hebrews 11 is all about. It's a chapter calling for recruits to sacrifice everything for the prospect of a meaningful adventure with Jesus Christ. It's a chapter calling on people who want to have a life that's fuller than 2.4 kids and a mortgage. It's, it's calling on people who want to have a life of faith. And it's filled with the names of brothers and sisters who have already signed up and have already run their race and who are there to inspire us. Because they looked beyond present circumstances. And they lived it out. And friends, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also throw off everything that hinders and every sin that entangles lets us run our race with persecution as well, with perseverance as well. Let us live the life of faith. I'll pray. Father, please help us to fix our eyes on Jesus. Thank you that he is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Thank you that such was his faith that he even went to the cross. Let us consider him and be like him so that we might honour you. Amen. Friends, we're going to sing one last song which encourages us to consider Christ. And then please, hope you can stay. It'll bring him praise. And it'll bring you assurance. I'll pray. Father, we cannot help but praise your honour and glory and mercy and justice and wisdom and love. Father, thank you that in your purposes and plans you chose us to be saved by faith. Father, we are delighted to be able to be saved in a way that brings you a praise, for you alone are worthy of it. And thank you that in your love you chose to save us that way so that we could talk to you now in freedom and confidence. 
Father God, thank you. Amen.